Welcome to MediaPost's Brand Insider. I'm your host, Steve Smith, Editorial Director of Events here at MediaPost. Each week, we interview marketing leaders from companies old and new about how they build and evolve their brands on an unpredictable media and culture terrain. In addition to this full audio interview in podcast form, we also publish a companion newsletter with highlights from the Q&A. MediaPost has been covering marketing and media news for over 20 years. You can find the Brand Insider Weekly as well as our daily coverage at MediaPost.com. But now, let's get into it. Let's welcome to the Brand Insider co-founder of Resident Home, Eric Hutchinson. The company launched in 2017 with the very successful uh, Nectar mattress, but it's expanded quickly since then into a much broader range of home goods, including bedding, rugs, decor. Resident Home is now a cluster of brands that include DreamCloud, Avara, and Bundle. Awara, sorry. (laughs) Eric, welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, so uh, that that's a, this is a topic. Expanding the brand portfolio is a topic that's of, of great interest to to us and to a lot of the people who have been to our events in the past, especially on the DSC side. So as your brand portfolio expanded, uh, tell us a little bit about how the marketing plan evolved. Um, yeah. Which channels are now most important to growth for you uh, as as you expand beyond that that core mattress mix and perhaps that sort of your roots in performance marketing. Yep, uh, great question. Uh, so I'll start with uh, just the mattress and how we we think about marketing um, and really the, the development of the brands. So um, you know, w- within mattress, we have multiple brands. We have Nectar, DreamCloud, Nawara, all very targeted at specific aspects of that of that category: memory foam, hybrid, and the all nat- natural all natural space. And what we really want to do is be able to engage consumers effectively through any platform or any channel that they want to do the research and, and learn about and, and educate themselves to, to the point of buying, buying a mattress. So diversification is key. So uh, when you look at the digital side, the Google and Facebook ecosystems are still the largest, but um, OTT, podcasts, direct mail, what we're trying to do is, is really reach the consumers that have set through all those channels and measure the efficacy of those channels and, and how those channels really interact. And so if you look over the over time, we have the most diversified channel mix of any company I know. And we're really looking kind of every, every year to add additional channels and really get them to scale. And so as, you know, as, as we look forward, you know, you're trying to find what, what are those channels on the horizon and what are channels that are kind of a little bit of a different way to look at that? What are those channels where you can create a differentiated capability? Um, you think, you know, like things like uh, search, you can actually create a capability and in, 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 internally around how you um, get better and better at that every day and measure that. And the idea of looking at other c- categories, each category has, you know, specific aspects of it. And so to some degree, the marketing mix, um, you know, starts to, uh, morph depending on that category. So, you know, with mattresses, there's a very um, high volume of search around that. You know, people say, you know, you know, what's the best mattress or best mattress for slide side sleepers. But when you move to other categories that have a more aesthetic drive, you know, channels that really lean into video and lifestyle type imagery can be really powerful. So as we move from one category to the next, really trying to align that channel mix with some of the key attributes of that category, that'll give us um, the, the right balance to, to um, bring, bring the brand to life for consumers. 
a lot of the a lot of the channels that you mentioned uh, have experienced tremendous price inflation over the last year and a half, especially. Uh, so I'm curious, has that changed your marketing mix at all, or changed your your approach? So. It- you know, we're, I think, experiencing inflation and not only across, uh, you know, marketing and, and ad spend, but across, you know, product and raw materials as well. We are at the core a marketing technology company and really tightly manage our CPA, our cost of acquisition. And so um, channels have shifted around, you know, Facebook in particular is an uh, ecosystem that people talk a lot about right now with some of the iOS changes. We've going back you know, multiple years, we worked to integrate in with Facebook so that we could quantify that traffic. And, and I think that's really been an advantage to us as we as we've shifted around those dollars. But we, you know, we found our, an ability to continue to engage consumers effectively with a with a tolerable C- CPA and not let that not let that run away. Um, but this is where kind of really understanding those that channel mix and understanding you know, what's the appropriate level of spend to hit your target CPAs is really important. And diversification helps. You know, if you're in one channel, you, you can find yourself in that channel trap where, as you said, there, you know, the, the inflated cost of, um, of that media makes the, the cost of acquisition untenable. So having diversification allows you to move those dollars around. Uh, at the same time, since you mentioned Facebook and its troubles with iOS, um, uh, data deprecation is the other um, part of part of yeah. this. How, since again, you're so CPA, so you're so CPA focused, you're using the metrics and that feedback loop of yeah. data is so important to you. Where, as a marketer, are you seeing the greatest challenges right now when it comes to data deprecation, either from the, the Facebook side, the iOS side, or other app? I mean, obviously, you're working in a lot of different markets, mm-hmm. and there are a lot of different channels, each of which is sort of coming under pressure, browser cookies. Um, that, that deprecation is happening everywhere. So how do you counter that? Yeah, there's, there's a continued push for first-party data as much as possible. Um, we, uh, going back multiple years, have we run what we call an MTA model, which stands for multi-touch attribution, and an MM model, MMM model, which is a media mix model. And then we we kind of we cross-reference that, and what it really allows us to do is have more data points, understand that interaction of channels. So we're we're constantly trying to look around, uh, kind of a look around the corner. Our, our marketing team is extremely technical in nature. And so we do a lot of technical integrations with platforms so that we're sharing back um, transaction data so that we can get kind of that full handshake and, and have a better better view of what, what's actually going on. Um, but there are headwinds, you know, the, the, you know, the, the cookie environment is, is going away you know, iOS changes. And so you're having to find other ways to make sure that you can quantify the dollar spent um, and, and, and kind of fight the fight the other, other way. Uh, and so that's, you know, we, we kind of do the hard work on a day in and day out bat, bat basis, but that those different attribution models really do help us. And the inputs into those um, being quantified also helps. Is this uh, all being done in-house? Is that important? It is. Do that? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Tell us a little yeah. bit about how it's organized. Has, has it always been in-house? Have you played with moving any pieces of this out of house, especially as you expand it to different products where you may not be as, aqu- as well acquainted? Yeah, uh, great question. So our, our our engineering and data science team are based out of Tel, Tel Aviv. Um, we've been a remote company since day zero and, and 
you know, constantly look to um, develop those capabilities in house. You know, at different points in time, we tap into third party party tools. So we worked with agencies that specialize in specific channels um, that also are very, uh, you know, data app. And so they can they can help us understand, learn, and get up the the learning curve for for a channel um, and how to use data. Um, we've worked with other third-party attribution models and tools really to validate our own as we as we built them. Um, but we have a view that this is a core capability that we need to have. And so ultimately we want to have that in-house, but um, you know, we, 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 there's only so much that we can do. And so when we see a tool or a capability that we can tap into via third party, we'd love to do that. I'm curious about um, what the growth strategy is is here. How much of it is dependent on simply increasing the lifetime value of your existing customer base and expanding them into a different and wider uh, product mix, which ultimately is cheaper than customer acquisition? And how much of it is is acquiring new customers? Yeah, um, so I, I look at that through the lens of an AOV average order value world and an LTV lifetime value world. And you know, the beautiful thing about the mattress space is it's very high AOV. You know, I think most categories wish they had the LTV of, of a single purchase. Um, and so our acquisition engine is very well tuned for that. And so there, you know, a growth strategy we've had there is expanding to different categories within mattresses and then adding additional products that are relevant to that purchase. Mm-hmm. You know, as you, you, you've mentioned, we started to look at other categories and we've done some testing. You know, realistically, we pulled back a little bit of that through COVID just because um, there, there, there's such a challenge on a supply chain and there's this need to focus. But one of the things we really try to do is through a, a great user experience, a great product experience, is establish and earn the trust of that consumer so that we can now sell them other products and look at other categories. And so that is a, a kind of a key focus. And there's two elements when you look at these other categories. What are the categories that you can use to go do actual kind of first purchase acquisition? And then what are those categories that make a lot of sense for expanding the relationship that you already have in consumers with consumers? And through our research and, and, and the, the way we think about that customer relationship, it's really concentric circles out. So we started with the mattress then we went to kind of top of bed and now we're looking at the bedroom. And then, as you mentioned, through um, uh, rugs and some others starting to look more broadly into the home. But really, you know, that's the next bastion for us is, is are things within the home um, where we've earned the confidence of the consumer and now can step outside of the bedroom and start addressing some of their product and category needs. Uh, the bedding and the home goods category is notoriously cluttered. Um, I mean, obviously the ma- ma- mattress category is pretty much yeah. a standing joke in the industry of how many mattress brands there are. Yeah. Um, but even as even some of the categories you're expanding into are very cluttered and you're, you're, you're up against some major players that major D to C players that have been in these spaces. Right. For a long time. So what have been the keys to, to differentiation? And you and you don't seem to be shy about creating new brands, even new brands within the category. So it's I'm I'm really yeah. curious about the strategy and, and how you differentiate and compete in a cluttered space. It is um it's a, the most cluttered and competitive industry I, I've ever been a part of. Um but there's also through that clutter, you know, real opportunity. And, and, and it comes through clarity of message and unique, a unique value proposition. So if you look at our mattress um, brands, um, they each stand for something very specific. 
Um, we do a lot of work around supply chain and what the consumer really cares about. If you ask the consumer, they'll tell you. And so we overinvest in those aspects of the product or the category that we know the consumer um, is focused on and, and how they make their decision. And then we spend a lot of time in our UX and UI of delivering that information in a way that's digestible. Um, your users want to solve a problem and feel confident in their purchase decision. And so if we can understand what they care about and then present that information in a concise, clear way, um, you can stand out in the crowd. It's, it, it, it sounds simple because it, it, it really is, but it's gonna, you gotta get to that simplicity through the, through the complexity. Well, what are they in this category? Let's stick, let's stick with yeah, that. Yeah, it's great. What are so, those, you know, what are those qualities think, that you think distinguish your, your line of mattresses from others that you think are resonating with your consumers? Yeah, if you think about the memory foam category, it's uh, cooling technology, it's support, it's contouring. And then a consumer shopping online, they want to know that it's a risk-free a risk transi transi uh, transaction. Mm -hmm. So we have the, the best warranty and the longest home trial in the industry. Um, we also had the lowest return rate. And so what we found was you're know, leaning into really articulating, this is what you need to care about when you're shopping for the product. And oh, by the way, we're gonna make this a risk-free trans trans transaction for you. That's a very strong uh, value proposition to the consumer. And then we focus a lot on our supply chain to make sure that we have the best uh, cost, cost associated with that product so we can pass savings along to consumer. And so when you deliver a lot of value, and then value uh, being the delta between perceived, perceived value and actual cost, you know, you can earn that trust to the consumer. What's the top line um, when, when I'm, when I'm uh, scrolling through my Instagram feed or I'm yeah. getting cookied in my YouTube feed for pre-roll um, or I come upon you in one of, in, in, on CTV, um, what, what's the top line messaging? What's the thing that you're telling me that's making me yeah. notice you? Uh, and, and drawing my attention away from yeah. the purples, the helixes, the, the others. Right. So the, the first thing is creative has to be developed for the channel. These, these, the way we consume in each of these channels is actually a little bit different, as well as the way that the channels kind of reward good creative. So we develop creative specifically for each of the channels. Secondly, is you got to be punchy with your message. And so we hit hard our 365 night trial, our forever warranty, and then whatever offer we're running at the time. So if people can see, okay, I'm going to, here's some key aspects of the value proposition, and here's the, the price I'm going to pay or the offer I'm going to get. And then, then, then from there you get in, you can get into cooling and some of the other, other pieces and also social proof showing, you know, that we have, uh, 2 million people sleeping on our mattresses. We have this many five-star reviews. What you're trying to do is say, okay, this is something I should pay attention to. One of the benefits of uh, mattresses at the category is it's a considered purchase. You know, people, it's not a one, one click buy. And so what you're really trying to do is earn enough confidence through that initial interaction that they, they'll, they'll put your brand into the consideration set. So the consumer is going to look at two, three, four um, brands to make this make this purchase. But but initially, as you said, when you're scrolling through that feed, you want to you want the creative to be punchy enough so that someone pauses, and then you want to deliver clear enough message in a short way so they say, "Oh, I'm in the market for a mattress. This is a brand I should have as part of my consideration set." Uh, a lot of the DTC brands um, uh, try to incorporate or, or make part of their messaging uh, their values-based values branding. 
mm -hmm. how how their brand aligns with a larger set of either social or product or quality yeah. or sustainability values. Uh, what are they for your brands, and what role do they play? Yeah, um, you know, we have a strong belief here that delivering exceptional value to consumers and a great environment for our employees lead to great shareholder returns. Mm -hmm. And so some of the things that we lean into with either our, our brands is how much value we're passing along to consumers. Um, uh, so you know, not just using a pretty brand to charge a premium price. Mm -hmm. um, our, our all natural latex brand um, is uh, you know, really focuses on the environment. We're also bringing some of that to bear to other, our other brands as well, where we just think that's good, good business, um, having zero emissions and carbon offsets for, for products that do you know, leverage petrochemicals because they, they have to. Um, so there's aspects of that that we're, we're leveraging in, into the brand. Um, and then, you know, just being uh, customer centric. So making sure that they have the best possible experience. If they don't like the product that we are uh, helping them to get that return. Uh, we have a program where we uh, get those products um, where we can to a family in need through a network of charities across the, the country. If you don't like the product, the first thing we do is try to get it to a, to a family in need. Um, so constantly looking for aspects where we can leverage our platform um, to do more and to do better. Um, what have you learned about the kind of sort of aggressive diversification that you've been doing? Um, you know, as I, I think about the many DTCs that we cover here that we have have had to our events, and I look at I really I look at your um, sort of palette of of brands and products, mm -hmm. and it's about as wide and fast a diversification as I've seen among D2Cs. So I'm curious, what, what are the things that you've learned about the yeah. pitfalls here to other D2C brands that might, might want to pursue a strategy like this? It, it, it's very hard. Um, I'll say the number one thing when you're shipping a physical product is you have to understand your supply chain. Um, today, I joke, I run a supply chain company, not a, not a consumer brand. Mm -hmm. um, and, and every product, every category, um, in, in particular category, has typically has a unique supply chain. And so you, you need to understand that. Where is their value in that supply chain? Um, what does scaled economics look like? Um, and then you got to have uh, USP, the unique selling proposition. What is it going back to what I said earlier? What does the consumer care about in that category? Um, and how do you make sure that you can deliver that? Uh, you know, and a great example of this is when we looked at rugs and you know, we, we, we have a brand in, in, in that space. Um, uh, you need a very, very deep portfolio of, of, of products. And that's, that's, a, that's a challenge to get to. And you need to have room, good, good gross margins. So you got to really understand and have a, a good merchandising team. Other brands, it's more about the, the aesthetic. So again, understanding what the consumer cares about and then making sure that you build a supply chain to deliver against that. And I think the other thing is um, structure and process. So we have a very um, formulaic approach to how we identify opportunities, develop the brand, take it live, and then look to scale it uh, and scale it efficiently without just throwing a lot of capital at it. And so that, that playbook, if you will, um, has really been born out of you know, doing it multiple times. And for most of the team here, um, this is not our first time as entrepreneurs. So we have previous experience in the D2C space of developing and scaling brands. 
Uh, what's been the, the importance of retail relationships, of physical retail relationships? And what, you know, what role does it play? And are there certain categories where, where those relationships are more or less valuable for some of your products? Um, it, you know, we use the term omni-channel, uh, but retail is an extremely important part of the consumer landscape. Um, we, you know, you hear like digitally native brands, what we're really talking about are the brands of the future and those brands need to live everywhere the consumer does. So our view is that retail is extremely important. You know, in the mattress space, 70% of revenue still flows through retail. Mm -hmm. It's a product that a lot of consumers want to touch and feel. This notion of digitally native is really how product discovery happens now and how you engage and communicate and have that one-to-one -one relationship with the consumer. But I think for most categories, retail is still a huge opportunity. Um, you know, there, there are some smaller niche areas where you, know, you, can, you can really run the business online, but we've found great success in retail. Uh, today, we're in a little over 3,000 retail doors um, with uh, the Nectar and DreamCloud products. And that's just been uh, you know, a huge success for us and a way for us to reach and connect with a customer that's not com yet comfortable making the purchase decision online. Um, so as you're looking out into the into the next year, what do you identify as the biggest marketing challenges coming up? Um, you know, I think there's going to continue to be volatility on the different platforms. Um, you know, I think everybody's looking at TikTok and podcasts and some of these other and, and figuring out you know how what does that mean um, for the broader ecosystem. So I think it's going to be a lot of uh, hard work to continue to navigate a changing land landscape. Um, that's on the marketing side. And then I think the other side is the supply chain uh, logistics ecosystem is going to continue to be a head, uh, headwinds, probably a, they're not the right term, but something that you have to be challenging and navigating as well. So um, I, I don't think it's going to be smooth, smooth sailing up and to the right for, uh, for e-commerce uh, digitally native brands. Uh, is there inevitable consolidation in this category? Since there's so much competition. We're are you, We're are seeing you, it. Are you guys on the verge, all, all—all—of you on the verge of of marrying each other at some <laughs> point? Or you know, it's, it's I mean, just so, there are so many brands. Absolutely, you're you're starting to see it, and, and I we refer to this category as a low barrier to entry, high barrier to scale. And the companies that have been able to reach scale are the same one. We we've, we've been the same cohort for the last three three to five years, and so you are starting to see companies come together. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting industry where it's very competitive, but you know, we have great relationships with most of the brands. You know, we compete on one day, but we share war stories in, in the evening. And so, I, I definitely think there's going to be continued consolidation and probably an acceleration of that as people look to to look to other brands that are really complementary to one another, and they can join forces and go and and you know deliver it, you know, in many ways more value to the consumer and get more leverage over the infrastructure and investments that we've all made. We ought, we ought to get you to some of our, our events because a lot of a lot of your competitors like uh, like Helix, Mattress Firm, uh, uh, Purple are sort of regular attendees at our events. And you guys could compare yeah. notes. And one of the things that I do in almost all of our events uh, and my marching orders for most of our, my speakers is tell us the biggest mistakes you made that you learned the most from, um, because that's what that's what I know most other marketers learn the most from. So as you and you said, you've been yeah. startups and 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 d2c's what's the what's the biggest mistake you learned the most from yeah 
we are we are marketers at heart, and so you constantly want to grow the business. And it's, it's, in particular, in some of the early days, we probably grew too fast. Um, we grew faster than our supply chain could ha handle, um, and that creates other stress within within the organization. And I think as we started to look at other categories, we probably ran into them a little too fast before we again really understood the supply chain. You know, now we're much more mature, have a much better. You know, I think more articulate, concise formula on, on how do we identify opportunity and then what do we need to have in place to feel confident about being successful as we, we ramp into that. But those two things, you know, scaling fast is fun, but make sure you have the infrastructure to support it. And then as you look to expand your business into other categories, make sure that the supply chain, you understand what your unique selling proposition is gonna be for the consumer and, um, and that you have a supply chain that's gonna be able to deliver against that. You, you, there's definitely supply chain is on your mind lately. I can tell it's, it is. It's it, really, if you're, it's if really you're running a consumer, yeah. If you're running a consumer business today, you're you're you've been at that scaling. You know, this has been a key focus of yours, and it has been for us. That you know, it was before the 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 pandemic hit, um, and it continues to be. Eric Hutchinson of uh, Resident Home. Thank you so much for your time today. This was really really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for hitting play on MediaPost's Brand Insider podcast. We're here each week interviewing marketing executives from large and small, legacy and emerging brands. They share their experiences navigating the challenges of commercial clutter, media distraction, and consumer disinterest. You can also subscribe to the Brand Insider newsletter for edited text editions of these Q&As. For this and all of the marketing and media news reporting MediaPost has provided the industry for two decades, head over to MediaPost.com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, or suggestions for Brand Insider, you can always reach me, Steve Smith, at steve at mediapost.com. Until next week, let's market carefully out there.